months ago in Galatians. So, and we're going to be in chapter 2 of Galatians. And I hope that last song that we sang, brothers and sisters, is true of you. I hope you stand in the gospel of Jesus Christ because that's exactly what we're going to, we're going to look at part of that today in what, what Paul is talking about here in Galatians in this letter. So let's go ahead and pray and then we'll, we'll dig in. Father, again, we come to you and we bow our hearts humbly before you, Lord, knowing that if we gain anything from your word, it's because of your Holy Spirit, Lord. And we just ask now, Lord, that our hearts would be opened to your spirit, Lord, to lead us and to convict us and to encourage us and to show us where we need to follow you a little better, Lord. Lord, I know in this sermon that we all can fail within it, Lord, and we are or I am thankful that uh, I have a Savior that never failed, that he did everything perfectly. So, Lord, with this in mind, I just ask that we would glorify you, Father, in the preaching of your word, that we would glorify you in the listening of your word, and that, Father, we would leave here changed people. Father, be with those today that aren't here, those that are sick, Lord, those that are healing those, Father, who are battling illnesses. Lord, be with them and encourage them, Lord, as if they watch online, Lord. Be with all your other saints, Father, as they worship you throughout the world today, Father, that you would be glorified in their lives. And we just ask it in your name. Amen. So as we've been going through Galatians, we see where Paul, uh, in chapter 1, we're just going to do a quick kind of rundown really quick. Paul is defending the gospel. What is happening is the Judaizers are coming down, and what they are saying is that not only do you need Christ as your Savior, not only do you need uh, Christ's sacrifice and his atoning work, but you also need to be obedient to the Mosaic law. You have to have the legalism part of stuff. You have to have the do's, do's, and do's. And so Paul was coming in, and he writes this letter to the Galatians, and he's defending the gospel. And he actually says in, in Galatians 1, he says, uh, as if it said before, so now I say again, verse 9, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. And that's what was going on. It was a different gospel. It was a gospel of works righteousness. It wasn't a gospel of grace. And so Paul was coming to defend the gospel. But then the Judaizers went after Paul. And they're like, well, what authority do you have to be telling us this? So then in the rest of chapter 1, all the way to chapter 2, verse 11, Paul defends his apostleship. He defends his apostleship by saying that he was called by God, that God was the one who's done this, that he went to Jerusalem, and he went and he sat with Peter and James and John, and these three men uh, were the ones that... Uh, what would they do? They affirmed his message. And so now we get to a part in chapter 2 where it's really interesting because now we see where, where Peter comes in and we see Peter's hypocrisy. 
This is the title, not walking in step with the gospel. And next week, what we'll look at is communion. And the week after that, we'll look at uh, what it is to start walking in the step of gospel. So walking not in the step with the gospel is hypocrisy, right? So we all have movies that we like. We might have actors like we like. Like I like James Bond movies and everything. And so we've had different James Bonds. We've had Sean Connery. We had George Lazenby. We had Roger Moore. We had Timothy Dalton. We had Pierce Bronson. And we had Daniel Craig. Yes, I like the James Bond movies. But they were actors, right? They played a part of a 007, this British agent who is this awesome guy. But they play this part. So does this describe your Christian life? Are you just a character in the play? Or are you genuine? And now that's what Paul's going to talk about with the Galatians as we see what happens with Peter. Follow with me in Galatians 2, 11 through 14. Paul writes this, But when Cephas, this is Peter, came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, if you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? So if we can apply this to us quickly, right? If we can apply it to us quickly, in that last verse, we can say this. Uh, pick it up in the very middle of it. If you, though a Christian, live like a pagan and not like a Christian... How can you force the pagan to live like a Christian? So it's hypocrisy that we look at. But what I want us to look at is I want to look at, at Peter, right? Because Peter's this great character through the whole New Testament, right? Peter's this disciple, this apostle that's got highs and he has lows. This is, this is who Peter is. Peter is one of the foremost apostles, right? He preached this sermon in Acts 2. We see that he claimed Jesus to be the Christ. He rebuked Jesus when he talked about his death. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. He denied Jesus. He was restored by Jesus. But Peter was also an apostle to the Jews. Now, what did Peter do in this passage? We see this is what Peter did. Peter spent much time eating with the Gentiles. Peter drew back and separated himself from the Gentiles when the circumcision party came down because of fear. And Peter was opposed by Paul because he was not in step with the gospel. So we see this is who Peter is. Now, who are we in light of that, right? We are children of God. You and I believe in Jesus as the Messiah. We believe Jesus died and rose again. We're forgiven by Jesus. We are just like Peter in a lot of Peter's beliefs, which we should be. And likewise, you and I spend much time eating with people that might not be believers, uh, but do we do the same thing Peter did? When the Christians come in, do we draw back? Or maybe we're even eating with each other, brothers and sisters, 
and maybe we're eating with someone who's not so lovely and then somebody else comes do you separate yourself shunning that person and going to this other believer we can do the same thing and so my 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 uh, thought is brothers and sisters is if peter then can be hypocritical well then so can you and i so can you and i so let's kind of take a look at what jesus says jesus speaks of the pharisees hypocrites right through all of the all of the uh, gospels he's always calling the pharisees out on their hypocrite being hypocrites now who were the pharisees the pharisees were the religious people weren't they they were the religious leaders of the time and that's who he's calling out he's calling out them he's calling out dick and martin and me you know he's calling out you guys are you the pharisees so listen to what jesus says in matthew 23 1 through 4 this might not be on your thing because i added it last night but this is what he says and jesus said to the crowd and to his disciples the scribes and the pharisees sit on moses's seat so do not observe so do and observe whatever they tell you but not the works they do for they preach but they do not practice they tie up heavy burdens hard to bear and lay them on people's shoulders but they themselves are not willing to move them with their fingers and then from verses 13 to 36 jesus gives the seven woes to the scribes pharisees and hypocrites does this describe you and i this whole sermon is an examination of your own heart and your own walk this is what it's about do you relate more with the with the hypocrite or do you relate more relate more with the gospel driven life is this you are you the one who preaches but you do not practice that's really easy to say are you the one that's going to tell somebody to do something that you're not willing to do and so there's a verse i want you guys to go to matthew 23 go to matthew 23 verses 27 and 28 because this is a verse that's kind of striking because we all have to look at this right we have to look at this in our hearts this is what jesus says he says woe to you scribes and pharisees and hypocrites for you are like whitewashed tombs which outwardly appear beautiful but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness so you also outwardly appear righteous to others but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness again examining ourselves does this describe us do we look pretty on the outside when we come to church do we're all dressed up we're all nice you know clothes hang off of you sometimes you know but are you the one who walks in all righteous self-righteous right i'm self-righteous i know the scriptures i can spout them out but inside you're dead you're dead inside this is what jesus is saying and we have to understand this that on the outward side we can appear as christians but on the inside we could be dead right and he's calling them out right scribes pharisees hypocrites are you playing the game so what is hypocrisy then right what then is hypocrisy hypocrisy is a term used for an actor that puts on a mask <coughs> so that he or she can conceal their true character that's what hypocrisy means hypocrisy produces a godly outward look but a heart that is far from god does this describe you that that famous verse that all of us know you honor me 
with your lips, but your heart is far from me? Is that how we are when we sit here today? Do we sit here and sing hymns or sing songs or whatever we sing? We honor Christ with our lips in our worship and singing, but where's your heart in relation to it? Is your heart far from him? This is the actor. This is your true character. Hey, yeah, I sit here. I honor you with my singing. But you want to know what? My life does not honor you whatsoever. That's what he's talking about. This is the hypocrisy that we easily can have. Todd Wilson puts it this way. He, he says, when you act hypocritically, you mask your true convictions and play a part that's not really yours. Again, this is what he says. When you act hypocritically, you ask your true convictions and play a part that's not really yours. So then what is the sources of hypocrisy? What can cause us this hypocrisy? Well, peer pressure. Peer pressure can easily do it, right? When we're in a group of people or when we were in high school, we always had the peer pressure. We have to do this. We, we have to be in the crowd that, you know, goes out and drinks or goes out and parties or or is uh, uh, my daughter was in a group uh, called, uh, what were they, Straight Edge. You know, and these were the kids that didn't do any of that stuff, right? The peer pressure to do all that. Or how about fear? Fear can cause hypocrisy, right? That's what we saw with Peter, right? Peter, it, it, it was fear, right? Verse, uh, verse 12 says, for, for before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. So Peter's hypocrisy was fear. He was fearful of the Judaizers. Uh, what someone truly might think about you, this might cause you to be hypocritical. You know, you're going to change your character, uh, changing so that you might fit in the crowd, uh, ultimately being a people pleaser. This is what Peter ultimately was with the circumcision party. He was pleasing them. And Paul tells us in Galatians 1.10, he says, For I am now seeking the approval of man. That's what Peter was. He was seeking the approval of the circumcision party or of God. Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. So what was Peter's reaction then to the Jews coming down? What did Peter do when these Jews came down? First of all, in verse 12, it says he drew back. He drew back from the Gentiles. You know, he was eating with these brothers and sisters or Gentiles there, and he drew back. It means to cover or shrink or shun. He shunned them. But not only did he draw back and shun them, but he separated himself. He divided himself. He excluded himself. He severed himself from them. And this is what Paul was calling him out on because he saw what he did. Paul saw that he drew back, right? He separated himself. And that wasn't good because Peter essentially, when he did that, what he was agreeing with, when he drew back and he separated himself, he was agreeing that you need to be obedient to the Mosaic law. He was agreeing with the Jews. And he was saying, yes, you need Jesus, but yes, you also need to be obedient to the Mosaic law to be saved. That's what his hypocrisy does. That's what it did. It brought him, those into, he was agreeing with them. And not only this, but what our hypocrisy can do, brothers and sisters, when we're hypocritical, 
and we live a hypocritical life, which we all can, right? This isn't something that's not new to any of us. If we go back and look at our lives, we have never lived a perfect life. There's been times where we have been hypocrites in our own lives, or we have practiced, or we preach what we don't practice, or we stumble in what we say. This is what happens. But, but what does Paul say that the hypocrisy does? Look at Galatians 2.11. He says this, first of all, But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. So our hypocrisy condemns us. That's what it does. It condemns us. It, uh, this condemn means being at fault or to blame. Right? That's what it means, to be at fault, to be to blame. We see it in a positive way. We see this word condemned, being at fault or being to blame. In a positive way in Romans 8.1, when the apostle writes, there's there now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, which is comforting to us because in our hypocrisy, hypocrisy condemns, but we know that we can repent and we can run to the cross and we can be forgiven of it because of this verse, right? There's no condemnation for us. Because we are in Christ Jesus. There's no more fault. There's no more blame because Jesus took all of that fault. Jesus took all of that blame for us. But it doesn't give us a license to live a life that we want to live that's contrary to the one that God wants us to live and still call him Lord. He's just not Lord, brothers and sisters. He's Lord and Savior. He's just not Savior alone and not the Lord of my life. We don't read that anywhere. Every time we read in the scriptures, Jesus is Lord and Savior. We can't live a life that is contrary to the gospel and still call Jesus Lord. We can't do that. Why? Because we aren't condemned. But when we do live a life like that and the outside world sees it, they look at us and say, there's no difference. They're a bunch of hypocrites. Because we don't practice what we preach. And this is what Paul was dealing with with Peter. This is what he was dealing with. So condemned, it brings condemnation. And we all stumble because we're not perfect. We have to understand this. We have to have this balance. We have to see the cross for what it really is, this forgiveness, because when we stumble, we can run to it. When we act hypocritically, we can run to the cross and we can find forgiveness there. James 3, 2 says this, For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, able to also to bridle his whole body. Right? Let's just take Peter, for example, again. Peter, Jesus says that he's going to go to the cross and he tells Peter that he's going to deny him three times. And Peter says, never. I'm not going to do that. Right? So what's Peter do? Denies him three times. Right? He stumbles in what he says. And we will stumble in what we say. Why? Because we're not perfect. But we are in the one who is perfect. That's why we run to him. So not only does hypocrisy condemn, but hypocrisy hurts others. When we live a hypocritical life, it hurts others. It hurts our family, our spouses, our friends, our co-workers, other believers. It hurts our relationship with the Lord. This is what it can easily do. It hurts others. 
So we have to be sure we're following the right examples. Right? We have to be sure we're following the right examples. Paul in Philippians 3.17 says this, Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. We have to be sure in our lives, brothers and sisters, that we have people that we can imitate. That's what Paul says, right? Imitate these examples that are good, godly examples. We have to have them in our lives. Our hypocrisy can also spread. It can also spread. Look at Galatians 2.13 with Peter in, in mind. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him. So that even Barnabas was led astray by the hypocrisy. Barnabas was the one that was with Paul. He was the one on the missionary journey with Paul. And even Barnabas was led astray because of this hypocrisy, because of what Peter did, because it spread. It spread. It's like a virus. Hypocrisy is like a virus. It needs human interaction to spread. That's what it means, right? This, as we were talking with Brigetta and, and Dwayne, they, they just got over the COVID, but they, they, uh, Brigetta's pretty sure they got it at their Tai Chi class, right? But it's needed, the COVID needed the people to spread. Hypocrisy is the same way. When we live a hypocritical life, it spreads. Just think of your children, right? Just think of your children growing up, right? My son does it all the time. He throws it right back in my face all the time. You know, well, Dad, you did this. Well, yeah, I did. You know, so be careful what you tell your kids. That's the moral of that story really quick, <laughs> you know. But, yeah, I did. I lived hypocritically to what I was. But I have a Savior. And that's what, that's what he doesn't see often, is that I have a Savior. Yes, I sinned. I tell you to do something that you shouldn't be doing. And, yeah, did I do what you did? I did. But I run to the cross. This is what I do. But it can spread. Our hypocrisy can spread to our kids. If we are constantly telling our kids to do something that we're not doing, it'll spread. It'll spread. This is what hypocrisy does. Even Peter, when he withdrew, and he drew back, and he separated himself from the Gentiles, even Barnabas did the same thing. It spread. Notice, again, what it did in this spreading. The rest of the Jews acted hypocritically. Even Barnabas, but Paul was led astray, and it even affected the Gentiles to live like the Jews. It was not in step with the gospel. And this is what it was. So Paul's concern for Peter was that Peter was not walking in step with the gospel. Look at Galatians 2.14. But when I saw their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel. I said to Cephas before them all, if you though a Jew live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like a Jew? Paul's concern was that Peter was not in step with the truth of the gospel. You're telling these Gentiles it's works righteousness. This is what you're telling them. And it's not works righteousness. We are justified by faith. We are declared righteous. That is what we are declared. Not by our works, but by God's grace. This is when we walk in line with the gospel. And Peter was not walking in line. He was agreeing with the Judaizers that no, you are found right by God when you are obedient to the law. But we're no longer under the law. Jesus abolished the law. 
we were under grace. So he wasn't walking in line with the gospel. Our religious masks can lead others astray. Our placating can have an effect on those around us, especially those who are in leadership positions. Martin and Dick and I, we have to be careful of our lives. We have to examine our lives like there's nothing before because why? You guys are watching us. Are we living righteous lives? Are we living godly lives? Are we living a life that's in step with the gospel or are we living lives that's not in step with the gospel? That is the question that we have to ask. It is easy to be someone you're really not for the sake of saving face or for fear of what people might think. We can be the actors. And maybe you're a great actor that you should be up for the Oscar. You know? Best Christian without conviction. And the award goes to? Maybe it's me. Maybe it's you. That's the actor. This was Paul's concern for Peter. In the Gospel, again, Todd Wilson writes this, playing the hypocrite is doing more than setting a bad example. Your hypocrisy and mine can actually compel others to stray from the truth of the gospel. Is that what you want? In our hypocritical lives when we're not in step with the gospel? So this is what hypocrisy can do. So now how, how do we guard against being hypocritical then, right? Because, like I said, we, we all can do this. Well, I think the first thing we have to do is we have to stay balanced with the gospel. We have to stay balanced with what the gospel is, right? We have to keep our eyes fully fixed on the gospel. The gospel must be the center of our lives. It must be what drives us. It must be what um, it, mu- it must be what drives us, what compels us, what uh, what we live for and what we live by. That must be what the gospel is. Ephesians 4, 1 and 2 tells us, Therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling for which you have been called. This is the Christian walk. Right? And what's that calling? With all humility and gentleness, with patience and bearing with one another. In verse 4, 32, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. It's having that balance. Right? It's looking in the mirror. Right? We have to look in the mirror at ourselves. This is what we have to do. We have to be able to take the plank out of our eye before we take the splinter out of somebody else's. This is staying in line with the gospel. This is being balanced with the gospel. Secondly, I think what we can do is we have to hold our hand out for help. Right? We don't like help, right? We don't want help. That's the last thing we want. We don't want help. But this is what happened. You and I can't be Lone Ranger Christians. We can't do that. That's why we have the body. We have the church, right? That's why we have that. We need others in our lives to help us in this journey. Just like Peter needed Paul. What did Paul do? Paul called Peter out. That's what he did. You and I, we need the same thing. We need people in our lives that are going to call us out. 
when we start to act hypocritically or we start to bring a self-righteous, legalistic tint to our Christian walk, we need solid believers in our lives that are going to come and call us out and say, you're not in step with the gospel. We need that in our lives, each and every one of us, so that we don't stray away. We have to know that we've been set free from the law. As I said before, Romans 8, 1 again, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us. You guys get that? Don't miss that, right? He sent Christ in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, Christ condemns sin in the flesh. Why? In order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. This is being set free from the righteous requirements of the law. And that's what Christ has set you free from. Why would you want to go back into the yoke of it? Why would you want to put yourself back under the slavery of the law when Christ has freed you from that? It's easy because we're rule keepers, and we like to be rule keepers. Right? We like to check the box. Oh, I read. Oh, I prayed. Oh, I went to church. I went to Sunday school. I gave. I tithed. Right? We like to do that. We like to see the do's that we did. But why are you doing what you do? Are you doing it because you're being obedient to the law? Because you're a slave to it? Or are you doing it because you're obedient to grace? And it's God's grace that has set you free. And this is an outward flow of your heart. And your lips just don't honor Christ, but your heart is close to him. That's why your lips honor Christ. Why are you doing the things that you do? We are no longer under that law. He is condemned in his flesh. Galatians 5.1 says this. That's not in there. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Don't submit to it. This is Paul's encouragement to the Galatian churches. For freedom, Christ has set us free. So we have to understand this. This keeps us from hypocrisy because it keeps our hearts in the right spot. It keeps our hearts in the right spot. Fourth, walk in step with the truth of the gospel. We must walk in step with the truth. We must be confident in these things. We must be confident in the person and work of Jesus Christ. We must be confident in what he has done. We must be confident in his perfect life, his sacrificial work, his atoning work on the cross, his resurrection. We must be confident in that. We must be confident in the grace of God. This guards our heart from hypocrisy when we get back to the basics of the gospel. For by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing, it's the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. It's holding on to that grace. 
It's in confidence that God has declared us just and right before Him. In Romans 5.1, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's confident in these things. Are you going to stumble? Yes. You're going to stumble. You're going to stumble in what you say. You're going to stumble in your actions. You're going to stumble in what you do. You will preach something that you don't practice. You will do this. Will you act hypocritically in your life as a Christian? Yes. We're going to struggle with this. We're going to struggle with it our whole life. But my question to you, brothers and sisters, is where do you run when you struggle with it? Where do you go when you see the hypocritical part of your life? Where do you go? Where do you find your identity? Where you run will point to where your identity truly is and where your convictions truly are. You and I cannot live the Christian life perfectly. When we do see our hypocrisy, we need someone to tell us of our hypocrisy. May you and I be teachable today. May you and I listen to hear the grace of God in our lives. May we be quick to repent when we walk in hypocrisy so that we may stay in line with the gospel. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for this time. Lord, we just ask that you would open our eyes, Father, to when we walk in such a way that does not honor you, when we walk in hypocrisy. Father, convict us. Please convict us. And even today, Lord, I would pray that as we sit here, that each and every one of us would examine our own lives, Lord, and see where we have hypocritical areas in our own life. Lord, I know that I do. And I know, Father, that you've dealt with my heart this week is I've done the same thing. I've, I've said things and done the very opposite. I've played the character. I've acted in ways that, that I shouldn't have that is contrary to you, Lord. Help us to examine our own lives, to be quick to repent of these things, Lord, that we may walk in line with your gospel. In your name, amen. Please, let's stand as we finish.